Right, if you have your Bibles, turn to James chapter 5 this morning. James chapter 5. We're working our way. That didn't sound right. We're uh, having a good time going through the book of James. Amen? Working our way through James. I love preaching verse by verse. Normally on this holiday weekend, Labor Day, I'd be preaching a Labor Day message and I'd be digging all week trying to figure out how I could preach on labor when nobody wants to work. No, not really. And uh, uh, this morning... Uh, is a great uh, opportunity to preach on verses 1 through 6, but I love how it falls in place. The Holy Spirit knew that this was going to be exactly the verses that we were going to be at in the book of James, and I really love uh, preaching through the book of James because James, I can identify with, is just a preacher that just preaches the truth in love and doesn't hold anything back, and the theme of James is grow up, and I want to grow up. I'm 66 years old, I ought to grow up, amen, but I don't want to lose the fun of life either, and uh, I thank God for uh, a chance to uh, preach verse by verse, and I didn't do this for many years and wonder what in the world I was going to preach, and I got the book, amen, I got the Bible, let the Bible preach, amen, we're going to go next into the book of Mark, and I want to stay around Calvary a lot during that uh, series, and the cross, and it's going to be exciting, on Wednesday night, uh, we'll probably be in um, <clears throat> Esther, and uh, that'll be a great series, so I hope that you'll come. And by the way, all you that work in Master Club, you don't have to miss a service, because our media man, Brother Cody, he is all on um, uh, live, live streaming, and then they archive it, and then they put it on podcast, and that's good for all you exercise buffs. You can put it in your ears while you jog, amen? That's better than that rock and roll music and country music. It'll get you... Uh, Wanting to find a horse if you if you listen to much of that, amen. And um, <clears throat> you can just jog, listening to the message, amen. You can say amen out loud while you jog. Wouldn't that be great? Podcast. I don't know how in the world Brother Blaine set that up, but I'm glad he did. So we got all these opportunities for you not to miss one verse of Wednesday night because you're working in the youth department or the uh, children's uh, ministry called the Master Club. So I just wanted to emphasize that. And I'm sure none of you miss, I'm sure you every Thursday, you just run Thursday night before you get to the Thursday night football game. So I've got to hear that message last night. I hope that's true. I hope it's true. Amen. Amen. Well, some of you sad, some of you glad your team lost, your team won, whatever. Uh, quarterback got knocked out, whatever. But I want to tell you something, friend. None of that means a hill of beans compared to eternity. Amen. And we need to focus on that this morning. And I thank God we're on the winning side. Wasn't that a good choir special? And that was a great special. Miss uh, Sarah always uh, teaches, always sings a message, a song with a message. Amen? And that, was, that, had a, that had a great message. I'd like to get the words of that song. James chapter 5. Let's stand on the Word of God. I'll uh, read verses 1 through 7. Not promising I'll get all that. We'll just continue tonight and uh, finish this chapter uh, in a couple of weeks. And then we'll be going into a new study and a new uh, series of preaching, not just a study. And this is a good congregation for a holiday weekend. I appreciate you being here. Amen. Go to now, you rich men. How many of you are rich? Raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. You rich men, uh, weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. Hmm. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver is cankered. And the rest of them shall be a witness against you. You shall eat your flesh as it and, and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. Ye have heaped treasures together for the last days. 
And that's not the last days of the coming Lord. That's their last days. Individuals' last days. Behold, the hire of the labor who have reaped down your fields, <clears throat> which of you kept back by fraud, <coughs> crieth. And the cries of them shall have reaped an, uh, and are entered into the ears of the Lord of the Sabbath. You have lived in pleasure on the earth, have been walking. You have nourished your hearts as in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and killed the just, and he does not resist you. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husband who waiteth for the precious fruits of the earth hath long patience for it until he received the early and latter rain. Verse 8, be ye, be ye also patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. I had a title for this message. I think I'd title it, The Man and His Money. The Man and His Money. You may be seated as I pray. <clears throat> Father, thank you for the good song service. Lord, I was able to worship you during that song service. Lord, there was no celebrities up here. There's no distraction. God, it was just you. And I thank you for the choir special. I thank you for the good hymns. God, thank you for this, this uh, time to truly think about how good you've been to us and God, how we're blessed. And God, we take so many things for granted. God, forgive us for not being so thankful for every breath and every heartbeat that's an individual blessing from God. So Lord, help me, dear God, <clears throat> this morning as I preach. God, give us power, and uh, God, give us remembrance of what we studied. And I pray, dear God, if there's one that's lost this morning, they'd be saved. This is one that's probably... Uh, backslidden or maybe have the wrong priorities of life, that God, the day would be the day of rededication, realignment, and God, reinvestment of their life and the eternal glory of God. We'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Somebody said money talks, and uh, that one uh, popular comedian several years ago says, and all it ever says is goodbye. You know, I believe with all my heart that a lot of times we are possessed with our possessions. And don't get me wrong now, when I preach this message on money, and I'm glad it's right in line because nobody can say <clears throat> that I'm doing it because we're remodeling the auditorium <clears throat> or because uh, we're about to have missions revival coming up and we need a lot of people to give by faith and see more people uh, over in places that's never heard the gospel. I'm glad it's just right in the Word of God. We can preach this in context. But money, uh, Lord, knows we need it. Amen? We need more of it. I mean, he's praying for more of it. Say amen. A lot of people get real nervous when a preacher preaches on money. But I want to tell you something. When your financial advisor calls you in and <clears throat> he takes an hour to uh, uh, share with you how much money you're making, it, that don't seem too long at all. Say amen. You like that meeting. Amen. <clears throat> you, ne you need to go get a loan from the bank. And, um, you know, I believe that sometimes it's to debt do we part. We're doing the couples retreat in a couple of weeks down at Philadelphia, and a lot of times it is money problems. But, you know, folks, listen, we don't mind somebody uh, talk, calling us in the office and say, you know, I feel like I need to give you a raise. You're doing such a good job. Let's talk about money. How much money would you like? You love to talk about money then. Say amen. And I want to tell you something, friend. Money talks. But I want to tell you something. We're, we should... We should Realize that 
these people in this context were using their money, their wealth, for selfish purposes. They were persecuting the poor. They were bad laborers. They were bad bosses. They were defrauding their, their laborers. They weren't being fair. And uh, James, as he was, he's just a great preacher about how to grow up, is we ought to not let money dominate us. It's all right to own things as long as things don't own you. Say amen. But I want to tell you something. There's a lot of people that when they get up in the morning, all they're thinking about is money. When they take a shower, they're thinking about money. When they go to work, they're thinking about money. And folks, I want to tell you something. We ought to think about the Lord and what our money can do for God's glory. I believe you can glorify God with your money. Say amen. Now, what is money? A lot of people say, now this is going to be really deep. What is money? I'm going to tell you what money is. Money is time-minted. If you have money in your pockets because you gave your time, you gave your, your, your mind, you gave your talents, you gave your skills, and you lived at your job this week about 40, and in these meals sometimes 60 hours, and that's time-minted. So when you give back an offering to God, you're really giving back yourself to God, amen? God's not interested in your, your money. He's interested in your heart. But I want to tell you something, friend. When your treasure is, there is your heart. Didn't say where your heart is, there is your treasure. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says where your treasure is, there is your heart. Say amen. Uh, my son's got tickets to the uh, Tennessee. He's a big Tennessee fan. I don't know how he got that. He's a big Tennessee fan. They're playing Georgia Tech tomorrow at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. He's got two tickets. And I was praying that his wife would not want to go. And I was going to go. And I'll tell you something, but I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be invested in that game as if, uh, unless I'd really paid about 90 bucks for the ticket. And if I paid 90 bucks for the ticket, I guarantee you, I'd be rooting for one of those teams. I'd want a good game. I'd be invested in that game. Say amen. You know what I'm talking about? Folks, where your money is and where your treasure is, there is your heart. Say amen. You pay for that new car out there, praise God, you, that's your heart. You don't want anybody messing it up. You don't want the kids kicking the dash. You don't want trash all over it. You even let your wife wash it once a week. I mean, you just really, that's, your, that's, your, that's your, where your treasure is, amen. And folks, I want to tell you something. In the spiritual realm, we need to realize that God is interested in our heart. And He realizes where our treasure is, there is our heart. One of the themes that runs through James is trouble. Verse Chapter 5, verse 4, the poor is deprived of their wages. That's trouble, an unfair boss. Verse 13 through 16, people are physically afflicted. That's trouble. Uh, the sick and afflicted should pray. And so the whole theme of chapter 5 is be prayerful in your trouble. Folks, if you need more money, be prayerful. Hey, if you need more money, put God first. And folks, don't let money have you. Many mature Christians have problems with their purse. Say amen. And I guarantee there's some people right now that have just folded their arms and they've got a defense up because uh, I'm preaching on something that you're very sensitive about. And you know what I look at? I can smile at you and say, praise God, I'm preaching the Bible. Amen, verse by verse. James gives a strong warning about the peril of accumulating much possession and world's goods and having your heart on that possession. As I said, it's all right to own things as long as things don't own you. Amen? I've seen people live for their job. I've seen people live uh, for making more money. But folks, it, this, this goes right along with a great passage in Matthew chapter 6. And I want to read that as background uh, verses. And I'm not in a hurry because I'm going to finish this message tonight. And I know every one of you is coming back at 6 o'clock to hear the conclusion of the matter. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. 
Would you look at that real quick? Matthew 6, 19. And we'll get right into the message. But I want to give you background verses. Don't you love the Word of God? Say amen. amen. Matthew 6, 19 says this. Lay not up yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. Folks, this goes right along with the message. Folks, is that we ought to realize. Look at verse 20. But lay up yourselves treasures in where? Heaven. Where neither moth nor rust does corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, here's, a, here's the exact reading of the Word of God that we misquote all the time. For the tre- where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. I mean, folks, listen, if you've got a lot of money invested in your little club, that's where your treasure is going to be. You've got a lot of money invested in your little hobby then that's where your treasure, that's where your heart is because your treasure's there. But look at this. Look at verse 22. The light of the body is the eye, and therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. There ought to be a single priority in your life, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ and His glory. Say amen. And God will bless you to be a blessing. Amen. God wants you to be a channel of His blessing, not a cesspool of selfishness. Say amen. And a lot of people think this party is about us. We're just here for us. Me, myself, and I. Unholy Trinity. And we're living for ourselves. And folks, I'll tell you what. I guarantee you we take for granted how much God has blessed us. You know, people over in Texas today, they are longing for a bottle of water. And they're longing for electricity. And they're longing for lights. And they're longing, and here's where I'd be, for AC. That's air conditioning. Amen. I'm a wimp. when I, I don't know why I don't, I don't like to be outside as much as I used to be. Amen. I was thinking about getting an air-conditioned riding lawnmower. Praise God. <laughs> Cub Cadet Special. Hallelujah. Amen. But now we have our earphones on. We listen to our sermons while we get on that old lawnmower. But we wait till the cool of the day before we'd even try it. And folks, listen. We take for granted the blessing of having a yard to, to mow. God bless Brother Travis back there. Praise God, his sister's about to die. And the grave plots two foot underwater over there in, in Texas. You pray for him, pray for the family. And you know, friend, that's not, that's, we don't think about the blessings of life. Every breath is a blessing from God. Every heartbeat's a blessing from God. So we need to have a single eye upon that. We need to thank God for every blessing and realize why he's blessing us. And folks, if you live to yourself, you'll find out soon that the moth will canker. You'll find out that the rust will come. And you'll find out depreciation will hit. And th- sometimes, friend, we find out what really counts when we lose everything we have. We don't love people uh, enough sometimes. And then we love them too late and we want to hug them in the casket. It's too late to hug. It's too late to send the flowers. It's too late to express your love to your wife when she's in the casket. We ought to minister grace to the hearer now. And we ought to not take for granted our children. I just had a, a, a friend of mine that's a dear friend of my, my son-in-law, Trent, and, and my daughter Stephanie over in Alpharetta. And, and they're, they've been faithful in church. And, and they serve God. And he's a co- wrestling coach. And everything was fine. And then uh, la- last Wednesday, or Wednesday before last, they brought little Hamilton to the uh, doctor because he's been sick a long time. He's four years old and he has leukemia. I'm saying, friend, you ought to thank God for the health of your children. You ought to thank God for every heartbeat. 
and we complain and we, we, we get all fussy and we get all down and out because our team loses or, or whatever. And friend, I want to tell you something. We need to have a single eye towards the blessings of God. Look at verse 23. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. Therefore the light that is in thee darkness, how great is the darkness. Now listen, no man can serve two masters for either he will hate the, the one and love the other or else he'll hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and manna. You know what manna is? Money. Say it out loud with me. Money. A lot of people don't want to do that. Matter of fact, right now some of you are holding on to your wallet afraid we're going to have an offering. Amen. Folks, listen, thank God that we can be generous and overflowing and give to God's work and invest in things in heaven. And the last time I checked, the only thing on this earth that's going to heaven is souls, so we ought to invest in souls. Amen. Say amen. What we'll invest in the furtherance of the gospel. What we'll invest in missions. Amen. Thank the Lord. Some people going around, uh, our missionary, Brother Mark, going all over this country trying to raise $100,000 for a Camp Rhino. And folks, listen, people say, well, that's going to be hard to do, and that's uncomfortable. No, if you're not, not if you know what the motive of it is. You see young people get out of those little shanties over there in South Africa that uh, live in uh, with the whole family, and all kinds of wickedness takes place. And for a couple of weeks out of the year, they can go to a camp of joy and light and love and laughter, and the Word of God preached, and the Word of God sung. Folks, I want to tell you something. That's good investment for your money. Say amen. And I want to tell you, friend, that's, that's worth going around to America on your furlough. I wish that uh, Emily's here this morning. I wish the family would just stay around the house all day. I miss my daughter. I think, you know, we're going to have a Labor Day picnic tomorrow. I'm looking forward to it. I'm cooking the meat and going over there to Alpharetta, and we're going to eat it. And I Because they don't have a grill. Why? Because they're never home to grill. They're always out begging for money for the gospel, the furtherance of the gospel. But it's worth it. You cannot serve God and manna. Now look at verse 25. I'll, I'll get to my text in a minute. Don't worry. It says, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. You know what that means? Don't worry about these material things. It'll drive you crazy. Or it'll preoccupy you, and you won't even notice your children growing up. Some people ought to stop and live while they're trying to make a living. Amen. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. What shall you eat or what shall you drink? Or yet for your body, what shall you put on? Oh my goodness, don't get there. If not, if not the life more than meat, is not the body more than raiment? Behold, the fowls are there, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your Father in heaven feedeth them. Are ye not better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit into your stature? All you short people say amen. And look at verse 28. And why, why take ye thought for raiment? You know, a lot of people, the only thing they think about is buying more clothes. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow and toll not, neither do they spin. Yet I say unto you that even Solomon in his glory was not arrayed in one of these. Wherefore, I'm getting to the point now, wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the fields, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you? And here's the, here's the key. O ye of little faith. Therefore, take no thought, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink, or whatsoever shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. Aren't you glad you got a Father in heaven knows what you need? But here's the verse I was trying to get to. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, 
and all these things that shall be added to you. Take there, therefore no thought, and, the, and that connotation, that word is worrying, preoccupied thought, for the morrow, for the morrow shall take, take thought for the things of itself, sufficient unto day is the evil thereof. Sufficient for the day is the evil thereof. Folks, listen, I'm going to tell you something. God help us to realize that life is more than things that consist in our life. It's what God blesses us to be a blessing. These rich people in James chapter 5 were stagnant in their wealth. Yes, sir. The Bible says in Proverbs 6, 6, Go to the ant, thy sluggard, consider ways, and be wise. I believe it's good to have an emergency fund. I believe it's good to have a savings. I believe it's good to have retirement. You say, no, I'm going to live for the rapture. Well, listen, friend, your, your wife and children might be around before the rapture takes place, and you might not. You need to take care of them. Amen. That's just good management. And folks, by the way, you're not the owner. You're the manager of all that God's given you. That's called stewardship. I used to, when I first started the church several hundred years ago, uh, right after the Confederate War, no, uh, in the 70s and 80s, every January we'd call it Stewardship Month. And the whole month we'd preach on stewardship. That's tithing, that's grace giving, that's faith promise. The whole, uh, all, the whole January. I don't know why we got away from that, but it, 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 it created a foundation for this church. Folks, our church has been blessed financially. And God has given us a great seven acres of land and, and great facilities. We're about to remodel all this place, take all the lights down, do a new ceiling, put new pews in. And uh, I wish we could build a new building out there, but we don't need it. And we're building many buildings all around the world. But I want to tell you something, folks. God does not want us to worship these things. God doesn't want to get hung up on auditoriums and Sunday school classes. He wants us to get hung up on hearts and people to, that need to come to this place and hear the gospel and be taught and be stable and be sanctified, thrilled, filled, and satisfied with the Lord. And folks, I want to tell you, there is a great danger of you worshiping your money, putting God second after things, getting hung up on the temporal and not the eternal. God doesn't condemn wealth. Abraham was a wealthy man, Genesis 13, 2. Solomon was a very wealthy man, 1 Chronicles 29, verse 28. And Joseph of Arimathea, he just was so rich he had a tomb. And he helped give it to Jesus. Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 18 is a verse we ought to all memorize. It says in Deuteronomy 8, verse 18, But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth. It is he that giveth you power to get wealth. My friend, let me tell you something. If you've got a job and you work it, stop complaining about it and just be a good employee. Amen. It's all they ought to pay me more. Matter of fact, I ought to own the company. I know you're God's gift to the company. I know that. And when I worked, I thought, man, I was underpaid and overworked. We all feel that way. But folks, I want to tell you something. You ought to thank God for that job. You ought not put that job before God and you ought to let that job be a tool conduit, a channel to support and bless others for the salvation of souls. I believe that with all my heart. I believe you ought to be full-time Christians in every occupation. 
I believe your vocation will be called of God to reach the world. Say amen. Whether God's called you to preach, God's called you to reach. And God's given you a job to be a good steward of that job, but you're not the owner, you're the manager. You're not the owner, you're the worker. And in God's economy, you're not the owner, He owns everything. And that song said it. We're not our own. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? And you're not your own. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit. Little s, disposition. Because we're not our own. These hands are not my own. This uh, beautiful bald head is not my own. I've had a long time to accept that. Amen. Hey, this teeth are not my own. My voice is not my own. My brain's not my own. And I need a lot of help. And thank God i got a wife that's got some wisdom. But I want to tell you something, friend. The Bible condemns the hoarding of wealth. It's called covetousness. Luke chapter 12, verse 15. Would you turn back with me, please? This is introduction. I'm going to preach tonight. Some of y'all are going to be home sleeping or watching NFL. It won't help you as much as this will. I guarantee you. NFL, college. But look at this. Luke chapter 12, verse 15. I want you to see this pungent verse. Luke 12, verse 15. I don't have time to go in the parable right after that verse 15. And he said to them, Take heed and beware of what? Covetousness. For a man's life consists not in the abundance of what? Things which he possesses. Then it talks about a, a parable about a rich man that had a lot of barns and he tur- turned them, uh, pulled them down to make bigger barns because he had no room. And look at verse 18 real quick. The Bible says this. This is the first principle of stewardship. And he said, this will I do. I will pull down, what's the next word? My barns. And I'll build greater, and there will I bestow my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But look at verse 20. But God said to him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee, and then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? I'm going to get to my text, but I just want to give you this foundation. Folks, it's not your goods. It's not your barns, and it's not your life, and it's not your money, and it's not your fruit. They're God's. Say amen. He's God. He owns it all. Praise God. He owns the cattle and the hills under the cattle. And the universe that we all got all excited about seeing the moon pass between the sun the other day. Praise God. I put my sunglasses on, but I I, I blistered my head. But anyway, uh, God help us to realize it's all God. He is the bright morning star. He is the son of righteousness. And we ought to worship God. And folks, people spent millions of dollars, and people did like this passage says, jacked up rates to take advantage of all the solar uh, ciders and, uh, and, and put the motels up to $400, $500 a night. That's not good. That's gouging. And folks, people are doing the same thing with the flood and the, torna- the hurricanes and tornadoes are taking advantage of people's problems. And folks, that's exactly what these uh, rich people were doing. But folks, the Bible says this, that he was praying to his own soul, my soul, soul thou hast goods laid up for me many years, take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Now folks, as Americans, we've got it made in the shade. To the third world country, all of us are kings. All of us are rich. 
Hey, if you own a car, you're, you're very rich as compared to the third world country. If you have a home, more than one room, you are very rich. You are rich as far as they're concerned. You're a rich American. That's why when you go to third world country on a mission trip, they all follow you and say, man, can I have something? And folks, I want to tell you something. The Bible condemns hoarding because life consists not of the abundance of things. Colossians chapter 3 verse 5 calls covetousness, you know, covetousness some, something else. I mean, wanting something else. Listen, don't try to stay up with the Joneses. They'll refinance and get ahead of you every time. Say amen. A lot of people are not really rich. They just have better credit. That's right. But you ought to see their payments. But I'll tell you this, friend. I won't go there. Covetousness, the Bible says in Colossians 3, 5, is idolatry. That means if you really are just concentrating and possessed with things all the time and what you can do and what you can make and what you're going to be, folks, and I believe that's fine. I think you ought to have some ambition about ourselves. I mean, you ever met a fellow that never wanted to advance, never wanted to do anything, never wanted to own the company that he could run better than his boss? I mean, that's good in a sense. Is you got some ambition, praise God. you got some drive. That's what we ought to be. But folks, I want to tell you something. We ought to not let it possess us. Because it becomes idolatry. It's me, myself, and I. The Bible says in Mark 8, 34, What is the profit of man if he gained the whole world and lose his soul? God wants money in circulation. James 5, back to our text now, and I'll just give you the outline and we'll preach it tonight. It says, Go to now, you rich men, weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. Folks, first I see the pain of possession. But it's not the pain of dispossession. It's the pain of the possessions owning you. And doing things that you shouldn't do. In verse 2, I see the pollution of the possessions. Look at verse 2. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Folks, that means that you're letting your money and the things of this world come first. What does it profit a man if he gained the whole world and loses his soul? But let me ask you a question. What does it profit a man if he gained all, all the riches and loses his daughter and son to the world? Come on. I mean, never time to go to a little league game. Never time to back them up in the things they want to do. Never time to have a vacation. Boy, that sounds real spiritual, but I don't think it is. Yeah, I can't take a vacation. The company needs me too much. No, your children need you more than your company. And they ought to be more important than your company. Say amen. Because you're going to lose them to the world, and they're going to be bitter at your company. Amen. That you're living for. That's idolatry. And I know that a lot of times we put ourselves in a place where we feel like we're indispensable, but we're not. God's the only one that's indispensable, say amen. God's the one we really need. And God's the one we ought to work to glorify His name. Folks, there's a pollution in possession because possessions will have wings and fly away, the Bible says. 1 Timothy chapter 6. See, folks, money, money is not a sin. It's the love of it. It's the root of all evil. The love of it. We ought to love God with all our heart and all our soul and all our mind. And praise God, it's alright to say, Lord, bless me so I can be a blessing. God, help me to be a channel to reach a lost and dying world. And, and, and God, help me to use my house to have Bible studies. Help me to use my pool to have a Sunday school party. Help me to use my five cars to take people to to, uh, 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 to the airport to go on a mission trip. That's fine. That's great. God bless you. And I tell you what, folks, I knock on doors up on Mount Sinai as much as I do down in the quarters. 
since I have to talk to inter, uh, uh, intercoms and butlers up there, so amen. Folks, listen, the pain of possession, the pollution of possession, and the prosecution of possession. Look at verse 3. It says, Your gold and silver is cankered, and the rust of them shall be a what? Witness against you. And you shall eat your flesh as it were, were fire, and ye shall heap treasures together for the last days. Folks, the deterioration of earthly possessions will testify that your folly in pursuing them so energetically was in vain. Because one day, when you're taking your last breath, it won't matter how many cars you own. When you take your last breath, it won't matter who won the fight, the fake fight the other night that everybody betted their grocery money for. I ain't going to hit that because some of you, I know y'all paid $150 to stay up at 2 o'clock. I'm not going to hit that. I'm not going to hit it. But I want to tell you something, friend. The Bible says we ought to work for a living. Not, not gamble. I think lottery is a sin. I think it's a shame when you have to stand in line for a gallon of milk and you have to watch some little granny take her grocery money and say, give me five lucky sevens, four casino sevens, or whatever they are, amen. You're sitting there trying to buy some milk. Thank God for the pump payment, amen. You don't have to stand in line while they're gambling their kids' money away. Folks, that's a sin. That's wrong, amen. You say, would you take a tithe to somebody that won the lottery? If you don't tell me, I'll take it. But anyway... Uh, no. <laughs> the pain, the pain of possession, the pollution of possession, and the prosecution of possession, it will testify your poor sense of values. That's, that's right. It'll testify to your poor sense of values. I'm going to tell you what's valuable. 2 Corinthians 4.18. The Bible says there's things, and by their, listen to this, it says, in 2 Corinthians 4.18, I'm in the wrong chapter, just a second. It says, While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are what? Temporal. But the things which are not seen are eternal. Folks, souls are going to live for eternity. Every boy and girl and man and lady is going to live in one or two places for their whole life either heaven or hell. Let me believe that. They're eternal souls. And folks, I want to tell you something. Your car's not eternal. Your house is not eternal. If you don't believe it, just don't paint it for about 30 years. Amen? And you'll see what happens. Folks, listen, folks. The pain of possession, the pollution of possession, but the prosecution of those possessions is it'll testify to you that it wasn't worth it. Folks, we need to have high values. And the values is this. Christ, to live is Christ, to die is gain. That heaven's a far better place. That, folks, the Spirit of God gives us heavenly blessings now. It's the earnest of heaven. It's the down payment of heaven, Ephesians 1.14. And so we see the prosecution of possessions. The Bible says this. I'm just reading the Bible, praise God, but it's clear. The gold and the silver canker, the rust of them shall be witnesses against you, and you shall eat your flesh as it were fire to have heaped treasures together for the last days. And that's your last days, not the last days of Christ. Take it in context. And then I see, folks, not only the prosecution of possession, but I see the punishment from possessions. Look at verse 3. It says, it cankers. And folks, it goes on to say that in verse 
forward, Behold, I hire the labor who have reaped down your fields, which is you kept back from the crieth, and crieth them that reapeth are entered into the ears of the Lord of the Sabbath. Verse 2, it says, Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. And folks, listen, there's a punishment of having possessions as, as the God of your life. Is that, folks, the health problems, the stress problems. Listen, I want to tell you something. Money can't buy happiness. I, I, I'll just give you a few testimonies about that. Some of the greatest, most awesome millionaires are ball players and boxers, and sports, uh, and I'm not against that at all. But folks, I want to tell you something, most of the time they don't enjoy their riches. Most of the time they can't handle it. Most of the time they just go buy more drugs, or they just pay out of uh, alimony, and, they, and it's miserable. And you think, folks, listen, they'd learn something. Folks, there's a multitude of problems of not putting God first. And a lot of people that win the lottery are miserable. And you know the stories they publish about all these people that, you know, just killed themselves after inherited millions of dollars. Praise God. I don't understand all that stuff. But I want to tell you something, folks. But a multitude of problems. Proverbs 15, 16. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasures and trouble therein. Let me re- repeat that verse. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasures and trouble therein. Notice that word trouble therein. Folks, the stress of getting more. Most people are driven by money. Once they get some, you'd think they'd be satisfied, but they want more and more and more. And then they charge outrageous interest rate if you want to borrow something from them. And they get greedy. And folks, I'm not saying that's everybody. Some people are just very generous in the Lord's work and they do great things for God. And thank the Lord that's God's intended purpose of making them rich. Don't you think? Amen. Amen. Blessed to be a blessing. Not a reservoir of selfishness. And then we see, fifthly, not only the punishment for these possessions, but we see the passion of the possessions. Verse 3, the last, the last phrase says, You have heaped treasures together for the last days. Folks, the last days ought to be focused on the Lord. It ought to be on God, not gold. Say amen. And folks, listen... It's all right to work for gain. The Bible says in the last chapter we talked about knowing the will of God. That You know, people said today I'll go out and uh, tomorrow I'll, I'll go out and I'll buy and I'll sell and get gain. There's nothing wrong with that. I think if you're going to be in business, make as much as you can. Say amen. I believe you ought to be successful. Uh, when I was at Georgia State University, I majored in business administration and I never taught a cl- never went to a class where it said, hey, listen, just go broke and enjoy it. <laughs> you know, I never went to a class saying, hey, just don't be a good employee and, and don't be a good employer and, and uh, just, you know, just blow it all. No, I'm not saying that. Christians should not be poor-mouthing around saying this, and they shouldn't be condemning over people that have some. Matter of fact, if we're prejudiced, we're prejudiced towards the rich. We don't knock on their doors as much because we feel like we won't be received. But let me just close by saying this, friend. We need to realize there is a problem here of possessions if we use them wrongly. Those who gain possessions lie are often very cruel in the way that they gain those, and they cheat those that work for them, and they have exorbitant interest rates, and, 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 they're, and, and they put money before God. And folks, I want to tell you something, and I want to say, it, I want to say this very kindly. Teenagers, you watch taking jobs that take you out of church. 
I know your, child, your parents are saying, you got to work and you got to go to uh, Bojangles and you got to make something out of your life. And my mother gave me a paper route and I was out on that paper route the time I was 12 years old. I had a basket bigger than the bicycle and she pushed me to work. And I'm glad she gave me a work ethic. I thank God my mother did that. My daddy was a drunk before he got saved. Thank God he got saved when I was preaching at the age of 63. But man, he wore two pair of overalls and he put sheet metal on tin roofs and sweated that poison out of his life or he wouldn't have lived to be 68 years old. He was a hard worker. He blew a lot of it and lost checks at night and burned the house up and wrecked cars. But I want to tell you something, he worked hard every day. And I should have appreciated that more. Amen. Today, kids get uh, $150 tennis shoes. In my days, we had U.S. kids. Amen. I'm, I'm telling you these old stories. These, here's the young people saying, oh, no, I've got to hear one of these old age stories. I had a U.S. kids. They were just $9.95, I guess. Amen. I want to tell you, so if I pay $159.95 for a pair of shoes, they better have blinkers and power brakes on them. Amen. <laughs> a lot of cushion. Air condition would be good too, amen. But folks, we take for granted the hard work of our parents. We take for granted the hard work of our great-grandparents. But folks, you cannot have all they have in one minute and watch trying to put work before God. you got all your life to work. Go ahead and grow up and be a teenager, love church, be in the youth activities. Get to go to youth camp. You know why youth camp's not um, uh, attended well these days? Because everybody's going to work during the summer. Man, Parents, get your kids out of work and let them be kids. Amen? And then when they get about 17 or 18, get them a job. Get them a good job. And when you retire, make them support you. Hallelujah. Amen? That's a good plan. Say amen. Praise God. But I want to tell you something, folks. There is a danger of exorbitant interest in the things of the world. Because the world's passing away and the lust thereof and the pride of life and the lust of eyes. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. I don't know about you, but I'm like that fellow that got saved. Brother Lou Rossi was telling us about on Sunday morning, showed up at the Baptist prayer meeting at 545. Some of y'all never tried that. You ought to do it. Showed up and they prayed around the circle. They all prayed around the circle. This guy was so excited. His sins were forgiven. He was so excited that uh, he, he, he didn't have to live in the past and let it poison the present and ruin the future. Got around time, time to pray. He didn't know what to say. And he said, Lord, I'm a satisfied customer. <laughs> Amen. We ought to be satisfied with Jesus. And we ought to be happy in Him. And folks, we see, uh, seventhly, the preparation in possession. In chapter 5, verse 5, it says, And ye live in pleasure on the earth and been wanton. Ye have nourished your hearts as the days of slaughter. Oh, folks, listen. Even, even These evil rich people were only fattening themselves for judgment. And they were getting closer to death and still they were nourishing their own hearts and they were building bigger barns and tearing them down and building more and they were satisfied with their goods. But then the Lord said, tonight your soul will be required of thee. And then I see the power of possessions in verse 6. It says, ye have condemned and killed the just and doth not resist, and, and it, he doth not resist you. Folks, wealth is powerful. Wealth controls the courts. At least you can hire a Philadelphia lawyer and get out a lot of stuff. Wealth oppresses others. Those are wrong. And folks, listen. 
Those who are wrong and oppressed are not able to resist the power of your wealth. That's what was happening here. However, folks, I'm going to tell you something. It all is going to come out at the judgment seat of Christ. Some is going to be wood, hay, and stubble, and others are going to be precious silvers and a crown, and we're going to cast it at His feet and say, Lord, I did it all for you. You bless me to be a blessing. It's okay. You made me rich to support missions around the world. You bless me with a nice home and a good wife and children, and I gave those children to the Lord, and now they're serving God. They're not spending time in jail. They're not in a mental institute. They're not wrecking their marriages. They're not neglecting their children. Folks, money cannot buy those kind of things. Only God can give you those kind of things. Last week, somebody got all excited about the will of God and and she was, she was talking to me back there and says, you know, my, my husband works from just money. I said, well, thank God. What's he going to work for? Amen. But, you know, she was saying, you know, boy, there's eternal things here. Well, I'm going to tell you something. God didn't call everybody to go on the mission field with Mark Coffey. Now, if you hang around him, he will try for you to go with him. Amen. He'll pay your way over there for a trip. That's the catch. When he starts paying your way over the trip, you'll never come back. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> That's my son-in-law. That's your son. Amen. And I appreciate him. He's a recruiter for Jesus. Amen. He thinks that's the place where everybody ought to be. But I think this is the place everybody ought to be right here. And building the kingdom of God and reaching Doug Gap Valley and reaching Whitfield County and surrounding county and sending out 123 missionaries and giving our lives to have churches built all around the world. Not just here. But folks, it's a matter of what possesses you. May I close and say the way that they got their, their wealth was probably wrong, but folks, most important of all, the way they spent and shared their wealth and used their wealth was definitely wrong. Because the Bible says, Be patient, therefore, brethren, in the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husband waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until he receives the, the early and latter rain. Be also patient, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord. Draweth nigh. Laying up treasures in heaven is investing in souls because souls are the only thing that's going to heaven. Tonight, I'm going to give you these principles, but there's about four or five principles of Christian stewardship. I thought a steward was a Methodist deacon for many years, but a steward is a yielded Christian. A steward means manager. Um... The Bible calls us stewards in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. We're stewards. And a steward should be found what? Faithful. Faithful. Christian stewardship recognizes the ownership of God. It recognizes the ownership of God. You're the manager, He's the owner. Christian stewardship recognizes that position and wealth is a sacred trust. When God blesses you with a child, you ought to give that child to God. He's not your own. You're just not blessed to be proudly called a daddy and a mama. And I thank God that I have four. had twins born on my birthday some 30 years ago, 35 years ago, 30-something years ago. Lost all my hair. Lost all my sense. Amen? But I want to tell you something. I wouldn't give them up for anything. Jason's been an assistant pastor for 15 years. I'm so proud of him. Used to shoot three-pointers, get a scholarship out of Southeast High, Val Victorian. Oh, that's all great.
But I want to tell you something, serving God supersedes that. Amen. 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 Saw a picture the other day of Stephen holding a plaque next to Lee Robinson and Clarence Sexton. And on the plaque, I zoomed in on the plaque. What did that plaque say? It said, Outstanding Bible Student. I said, Glory to God. Amen. My little shy daughter over there in South Africa, your mama, over in South Africa, called to speak to ladies all over the place. She wouldn't even speak to me when she was growing up. <laughs> She's so shy, she wouldn't speak to her brother. And I want to tell you some folks, invest in the future of your children in spiritual things. It's a divine trust. Recognize the position, a sacred trust. And if God's given you a penny, it's God's penny. And I'm going to say this. The first 10% belongs to God, Malachi says, and he'll rebuke the devourer. And you can't ever get ahead. I'll tell you why. You're not putting God first in the tithes. You've got to learn, friend. It's by faith you tithe. And it's by fear you tithe. You can believe he's God. Amen. Now it's getting real quiet in here. Oh, it's real. Woo, man, there's, there's three people just walked out in the spirit. But I'll tell you something, friend. Christian stewardship recognizes a sacred trust and God's blessed you to be a blessing, and we ought to occupy till He comes. That means take new ground. And then third of all, Christian stewardship recognizes accountability. One day we'll face Him and give account of everything God's blessed us with. Christian stewardship involves life, time, talent, and treasure. 1 Corinthians 4, 2 says you're stewards. I'll get into that tonight. But I don't know about you, but I want to send some money ahead. I want to send it to heaven. And the only way I know to do that is to put it in reaching a soul. Because the only thing that's going to go to heaven is souls. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this message. It hadn't been easy to preach, and I probably wouldn't have picked it. But God, this is your word, and I thank God for it. I want to glorify God through my money. Because it's time minute. I want to glorify God through my life. I want my life to count. I want my life to be a difference. I want my life not to be wasted. And I don't believe it has. And God, if I'd have went in General Electric, made a lot of money, and didn't put you first, it would have been a waste. But God, you called me out of the business world. Nothing wrong with the business world. We need businessmen to be witnesses, and support missions, and give their families to God. But dear God, I thank you for the privilege of being in this church these last 40 years. Seeing souls saved. Seeing families brought back together. Seeing Christians challenged and sent out like Jeremy Hall testified Tuesday. So proud of this young man that was a great businessman. Very, very, very good businessman in Dalton, Georgia. And you called him to South Africa. God, for that all-state linebacker for Northwest, Kevin and all the coaches called Brother Tony and myself and told us all from Northwest that we were wasting this scholarship and wasting this young person by advising him to do what God wanted him to do. And Lord, now he's built up many churches and Bible institutes and people getting saved right and left. And other people are joining him down in South Africa to build something that will last for eternity. Lord, I believe it was a good investment. I believe it was a good choice. I believe that Kevin had to understand that he was not to go to VMI and make a $100,000 scholarship, but God was his owner. That he had to prove his love 
by this grace also, which is the grace of giving His life to you. Lord, thank you. Thank you for reevaluating our priorities. And Lord, helping us to see our values. And Lord, most of all, we want to value you. 